0: All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with goodranchers.com. That's right. If you go on to GoodRanchers and you use promo code NIC and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breasts, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free to get that deal, and let's get on with the show. Well, this is Delegate Nick Freitas, and we just got done with our first day of the Virginia General Assembly. Now, typically, these days are pretty easygoing, right? You elect your speaker, who is Todd Gilbert, great guy. We're really excited to have him as a Speaker of the House. Paul Nardo, the Clerk of the House, very experienced guy. All that's great. You usually have a lot of backslapping, handshaking, stories about the past, and it's, it's all wonderful. Except that, of course, we had to fight over something on day one. And we're gonna talk about all of that and more on this episode of Making the Argument, where we make the arguments to defend a free society. All right. So what was the fight about, right? Because that's what we all want to know. I mean, yeah, I'll go into like different committees that we got and things like that, some exciting legislation that's coming up. But what was the fight about? Well, here's what you need to understand about the General Assembly on day one. One of the first things that we have to do when we get our speaker, we get our clerk, is we have to set the rules, right? The rules on how the House governs itself. And we had some rules changes now that we've taken back over from the Democrats. And one of the rules changes that we had had to do with harassment. So when the Democrats have been in charge, they put in all these different qualifications, right? You couldn't harass someone based off of race, or ethnicity, or gender, or sexual identity, or LGBTQ. And there was a ton of other things that they put in there as like these qualifications. And so we came in and now we're back in charge and we said, look, here's the deal. The underlying law in the Commonwealth of Virginia already says you can't do these things, right? And we support that. And so what we said in our house rules was, you can't harass anybody right? You can't harass anybody. That's the rule. And the Democrats immediately got up. They had a problem with it, right? Delegate Marcus Simon got up. He objected to it. And then the former Speaker of the House, Delegate Eileen Fillercorn, she got up and went on this long thing about how they would not be able to accept these new House rules, even though they didn't have a problem with most of them, if we didn't include that. Because basically what she claimed was, is we were removing protections from these vulnerable populations. Okay. The reason why I'm telling you about this and what actually happened on the floor is because I can guarantee you just about every single major media outlet out there that is going to report on this is going to report it almost entirely from their perspective. Like if you're expecting some sort of objective analysis, oh, that's what the Democrats said, what did the Republicans say? Now that's probably not going to happen. It's just gonna be a regurgitation of Democrat talking points and oh look, these Republicans are really mean, evil, bad people, right? So. Here was, here was our argument with respect to that. Again, the law already says you cannot discriminate against, about the, or, 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 against people about these things. We wanted to clarify in the House Rules that you cannot harass anyone. Because here's the problem when you dissect rules or dissect laws in this sort of manner. When you create all these special qualifications, the question then becomes is that if you have, if you have you know, dissected society by all these various characteristics, The question then comes within the law when a a case goes before the court, et cetera, is if you didn't include a particular group, right? And and this this should be something that the left understands because 10 years ago, there were far fewer groups than there are now. But if in the law or in the rules, you specifically list all these groups, but you don't mention other ones, the legal question now becomes, or the rule question now becomes, okay, well, are these people not as protected as these people? You know how you get around that? you make a really simple rule that says don't harass people. And one of the things that we seem to understand about vulnerable populations is that all of them are people. And so if you just clarify all of this and you say you're not allowed to harass anyone, and and you already have the underlying law which makes all of this other considerations clear, then there's no question. And regardless of why someone was harassed, or regardless of why someone made a might have uh, engaged with somebody that was was cruel to them, or whatever it is, they now have cause, not only within the law, but within our own house rules. So we were actually casting a much broader net with respect to the protection of people, because we included everybody without some sort of special classification that then someone can come in and say, well, wait a second, are they protected? Wait, does this special classification specifically mentioned in the rules? And if it's not specifically mentioned in the rules, why is it, right? So again, the way you get around all of that is you just say, you're not allowed to harass anyone. And that's really what this is supposed to be about when we talk about equality before the law. It's not to say that we don't understand that there have been various groups that has been specifically targeted either for discrimination or harassment. We get that. We find all of it to be reprehensible. The law reflects that. Our rules reflect that. Our rules also leave no question as to what happens to you if you harass someone, regardless of the reason you chose to harass them. You harass another human being, there's consequences for that, and our rules reflect that. But instead, the left is already starting this narrative whereas Republicans don't care about people within various groups. No, we care about all people. We believe that everyone is equal before the law. Everyone is entitled to a basic modicum of human respect and should be treated as such. And that is what our language change and those house rules reflected, regardless of the fact that you're probably not going to see many people reporting on this, sharing it from that particular perspective. So again, this comes into it this comes into this argument that we've been using a lot lately. Right? There's been a lot of discussion that we've had on this podcast lately about conservative versus liberal or leftist versus liberty or right versus left, whatever. We can have differences of opinion with respect to, to, to different issues and how we approach them. But one of the things that we have to look at is reasonable versus unreasonable. Is it reasonable for us to say that, look, if we word it this way, it covers everybody regardless of all of those other characteristics or issues. But if you start pointing out all the little individual things, now you run the risk of potentially leaving someone out, or or you open up a question where if you didn't mention someone specifically, does that mean that they're now somehow open to harassment in a way that they otherwise wouldn't have been if we just said, don't harass anyone, right? That is a reasonable position. Now, if somebody wants to come and say, look, we get what you're saying, we disagree, and this is why, fine. But don't get up there and tell people that you have removed legal protections when we have done No such thing. And here's my concern, is that going through the legislative session, we've got a lot of bills coming forward. And and I'm telling you right now, one of the things I'm most pleased about is I hear Governor-elect Youngkin speak, um, AG-elect Jason Meares, LG-elect Winston Sears, Speaker Todd Gilbert, our majority leader, our committee chairs. One of the things I'm most excited about is as I look at the legislation, as I look at the opening speech that Todd Gilbert gave on the floor when he accepted his election to Speaker of the House, is they are focusing in on those issues that the voters said were important to them. Right? There is a commi- I am seeing this generalized commitment across the board to addressing those specific issues of school choice, of educational freedom, of making sure that every child has access to a quality education, that we actually include parents in that process, of public safety, of actually creating an environment where it's easy to, start a, to, to get a job, to start a business. Right? Those are the things that we are focusing on. You can already tell from day one based off of the bills that were submitted and the committee chairs that were selected that Republicans are serious about it. So this is a positive thing. But what I am seeing already is that this isn't going to be a question of careful analysis of a particular bill to look at what it says versus what it does, intentions versus policy, and, and having a, a robust discussion on whether or not this is the best way to achieve certain goals that many of us haven't shared. What it's already going to be is, here is a narrative. Here is a caricature of what you're doing. Here's a caricature of your bill. Here's a caricature of even your intentions. And then the media picks it up and runs with it. And what they do is they print the story, or they ask the questions in such a way, or they don't ask certain questions. And the end result is, is that we have to actually go around the media to explain what it is we're trying to do. Now, let me make something very clear, because this is important. It might be that you don't agree with what we're trying to do. That's fine, it may may be that you don't agree with our policy approach, that's fine. But whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, don't you wanna know what it actually is instead of some false narrative or false caricature of what it is? Again, when I look at what I ran on in my last election, which by the way, I won by the largest margin I have ever won in my district, I wasn't trying to misrepresent what they were doing, I was reading what they were doing right off of the Virginia Department of Education website. I was reading what they were doing right off of their legislation, their bills, what their bills did. I wasn't trying to misrepresent what they did. I was showing people what they did. And I was going to their websites, their bills, to prove that what we were saying was true. And then people can decide for themselves, do they like that policy, do they not like that policy? Now, I get it. If I say something, you naturally assume it's going to come from a conservative, from a a liberty-oriented perspective. And maybe your perspective is a little bit different. That's fine. I want you to understand what both my perspective is, but I also want you to hear our arguments for the bills that we're putting forward, whether it's for gun rights, whether it's for lowering taxes, lowering regulations, whether it's to protect life in the womb, whether it's to ensure the parents have more control over how their education dollars are spent. Let's have a robust debate. Let's do our best to honestly reflect what we're saying and what the other side is saying. And when you get up there as the former Speaker of the House and you claim that we're just removing all of these protections, when in reality, what we do was, was cast a far broader net to essentially say, there's no wiggle room here. You can't harass anybody. If you don't like the, our approach, that's fine. But don't scare people into believing that all of a sudden they don't have any protections anymore. And if you're a member of the media, look, if you want to be an editorialist, go out there and be an editorialist. All I ask is you tell people you're an editorialist. But the moment you say you're an objective journalist, the moment you project that, as you're looking at these subcommittee meetings, at these full committee meetings, as you're evaluating the floor debates that we have, as you're evaluating the things that we say, the bills that we carry, and you're an objective journalist, then yes, it is incumbent upon you to talk about the facts and the reality of what a bill does, not just the intentions, and to be able to provide readers, to be able to provide listeners with multiple perspectives. Here's the problem. I don't think too many of us have a lot of faith that that's gonna happen with most media outlets. And so the reason why we are gonna continue to do our podcast, the reason why we are going to update people frequently during the session on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, you name a social media platform, we're gonna try to put out as much content as we have going into details on why we are doing what we are doing, the bills that we are carrying, what they actually accomplish, what the language actually is, and again, so you can decide for yourself. If you're a conservative, you probably wanna hold us accountable. You wanna make sure that we're doing what we said we would do when you voted for us. If you're on the left, you might wanna oppose us. But what's good for everybody is if you do decide to oppose a particular piece of legislation, you understand why you're opposing it, not just because a media outlet or somebody else did a caricature of it. And this goes across the board. I'm sure there's going to be people who get frustrated with the way I explain what somebody on the left is trying to do. But I'm telling you right now, my promise to you is that I will, I will be as diligent as I can to honestly explain, not just from my perspective, but to try to also explain where I think the other side is coming from on a particular bill. I'm not trying to demonize the intentions of everyone that disagrees with me. Right? But I am, going to, I am going to be passionate for what I believe in And I want an opportunity to be able to explain what is going on, what our legislation does, why we think it's important, so that you can decide whether or not we are doing our job. Because ultimately, you're the one that decides. But it's really hard to make that decision when so much of the mainstream media seems to be absolutely in the pockets of one of the parties that is gonna be debating these issues. Now, again, there are some media outlets that do seek to be truly objective. There are other media outlets that are, are more right-wing. Right? We acknowledge all of this. Right? I'm going to be giving you things from my perspective, but again, my, my commitment to you is that I'm going to try to be you know, very honest about their perspective as well and try to be able to accurately articulate that because ultimately, I don't want to trick you into believing what I believe. I don't want to trick you into thinking that my legislation does something that it doesn't do. I want you to know. I want you to be confident in that knowledge. I want you to be able to check it against multiple sources. And then I want you to be able to make a decision on whether or not you approve. So the thing I would ask you to do, we have Lobby Day coming up on January 17th. It's gonna be a big event down in Richmond. If you're planning to come down there, please stop by my office. I would love to see you. The other thing that I wanna encourage you to do is that if you wanna get these sort of updates, Okay, we have this podcast making the argument. We're putting more of these podcasts out on our Facebook channel. We also have our, our YouTube channel. We have our uh, Twitter, our Instagram. Again, any sort of mechanism that we have to be able to get you updates as they're happening, right? So you're, you're not reading a report a day later or six hours later and wondering what the heck is going on because we've already given you insight into to what is taking place, right? Follow those channels and you're going to be able to get those regular updates. You're going to be able to see it in your feed as we provide you the play-by-play for the January, or excuse me, for the 2022 Virginia legislative session. Once again, I want to thank you for listening and watching this podcast. I want to thank you for following us on other platforms, continue to do so, and we will continue to give you the blow-by-blow as the session goes forward. I'm Nick Freitas for Making the Argument. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next episode.